This morning's scriptures reading will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 through 10. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and though, he's, though, he, though it is he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, as he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Six hundred forty-seven will be the invitation song. Six forty-seven. Have you ever known a hero? I've known a lot of heroes in my life, and I know that you have as well. Some of those heroes were military heroes who served their country during war and during peace. I thought today would be a good day to talk a little bit about heroes. Memorial Day is a national holiday that has its roots following the Civil War. Following the Civil War, uh, family members of those who had died in the conflict, they would honor those uh, of their family by decorating their uh, graves with flowers. It was known as Decoration Day. And it began in 1868. By the time the 20th century rolled around, the Confederate observance of that and the Union observance of that had kind of melded together into one observance. Now we call it Memorial Day. And we continue to honor those men and women who gave their lives in service for this nation so that we could enjoy the, the privileges that we have living here. But this morning I want us to focus on heroes, but a different kind of a hero. Some of the heroes we're going to talk about this morning gave their lives in service. It, some of them were just simply willing to give their lives in service. Of course, I'm talking about those heroes who live in faithfulness to God. And we just read for us, Brother Jeff just read for us, many of those heroes named in Hebrews chapter 11, but they aren't the only spiritual heroes that we know. In fact, this congregation has lost a number of faithful heroes, haven't we? Just as other congregations around the world have done the same things. But exactly what makes a hero? What is it that determines whether someone is a hero or not a hero? I want to read to you something written by a young lady. She said, I leaned against an oak at the side of the road wishing I were invisible. 
keeping my distance from my parents on their lawn chairs and my younger siblings scampering about. I hoped none of my friends would uh, see me there, let alone catch me waving one of the small American flags that Mom bought at Ben Franklin for a dime. At 16, I was too old, definitely too cool, for our small town's memorial parade. She thought I ought to be at the lake, I brooded. But no, the all-day festivities were mandatory in my family. Here comes me, Ma, shouted my father. Of course, five black convertibles lumbered along the boulevard. The mayor was in the first, handing out programs. I didn't need to look at one. I knew my Uncle Bud's name was printed on it, as it had been every year since he was killed in Italy, our family's hero. And I knew that perched on the back seat of one of the cars, waving and smiling, was Meemaw, my grandmother. She had a corsage on her lapel and a sign in gold embossed letters on the car door that said, Gold Star Mother. I hid behind the tree so I wouldn't have to meet her gaze. It wasn't because I didn't love or appreciate her. After all, she had taught me how to sew, to call a strike in baseball. She made the best cinnamon rolls that you could have, which we always ate after the parade. What embarrassed me was all of the attention that she received, even after 20 years, with four other children having also died and a dozen grandchildren, why lingering over this one long-ago loss? I peeked out from behind the oak just in time to see Meemaw wave and blow a kiss toward my family as the motorcade moved on. The purple ribbon on her hat fluttered in the breeze. The rest of our memorial day went as equally scripted. No use trying to get out of it. I followed my family back to home and where we watched the usual baseball game in the backyard in the same old reminiscing about Uncle Bud in the kitchen. Helping myself to a cinnamon roll, I retreated to the living room and plopped down on an armchair. There I found myself staring at an army photo of Uncle Bud, the uncle I'd never known. I must have looked at him a thousand times, so proud in his crested cap and knotted tie. His uniform was decorated with military emblems that I could never decode. Funny, he was starting to look younger to me. As I got older, who were you, Uncle Bud? I nearly asked out loud. I picked up the photo and turned it over. Yellowing tape held a prayer card that read, Lloyd Bud Heitzman, 1925 to 1944, a great hero. Nineteen years old when he died, not, mo not much older than I was, but a great hero. How could he have been a hero at nineteen? The floorboards creaked behind me. I turned to see Meemaw coming in from the kitchen, wiping her hands on her apron. Remember how hard Bud worked after we lost the farm? At haying season, he worked all day, sunrise to sunset, bailing for other farmers. Then he brought me all of his wages. He'd say, Mama, someday I'm going to buy you a brand new farm. I promise. There wasn't a better boy in the world. Sometimes I wondered about that boy dying alone in a muddy ditch in a foreign country that he had only read about. I thought of the scared kid who jumped out of a foxhole in front of the advancing enemy only to be downed by a sniper. 
I could not reconcile the image of the boy and his dog with the stalwart soldier. Meanwhile, I asked, what is a hero? Without a word, she turned and walked down the hall to the back bedroom, and I followed. She opened a bureau drawer and took out a small metal box and then sank down upon the bed. These are Bud's things, she said. They sent them to us after he died. She opened a lid and handed me a telegram dated October the 13th, 1944. The Secretary of State regrets to inform you that your son, Lloyd Heitzman, was killed in Italy. Your son? I imagine to me, Ma, reading that sentence for the first time. I didn't know what I would have done if I'd gotten a telegram like that. She looked at me and she said, Here's Bud's wallet. Even after all of those years, it was caked and dried in mud. Inside was Bud's driver's license with the date of his 16th birthday. I compared it with the driver's license I had just received. I could see him in a foxhole taking out these snapshots to remind himself of how much he was loved and missed. Who's this, I asked, pointing to a pretty dark-haired girl. Marie. Bud dated her in high school. He wanted to marry her when he came home. A girlfriend? Marriage? How heartbreaking to have a life, plans, and hopes for the future so brutally snuffed out. For a long while, the two of us sat there on the bed. Then we put the wallet, the metal, the letters, the watch, the photos, and the deed back into the metal box. I finally understood why it was so important for me, Ma, and me to remember Uncle Bud on this day. If he had lived longer, he might have built that house for me, Ma, or married his high school girlfriend. There might have been children and grandchildren to remember him by. As it was, there was only one box. The name in the program and the reminiscing around the kitchen table. I guess he was a hero because he gave everything for what he believed. I said carefully. Yes, child, Mima replied, wiping a tear with the back of her hand, and don't ever forget that. I haven't. Even today, with Mima gone, my husband and I take our lawn chairs to the tree-shaded boulevard on Memorial Day and give our three daughters small American flags that I buy for a quarter at Ben Franklin. I want them to remember that life isn't just about getting what you want. Sometimes it involves giving up the things you love for those things you love even more. That many men and women did the same for their country. That's what I think when I see the parade pass by now. And if I close my eyes and I imagine, I can still see Mima in her regal purple hat honoring her son, a true American hero. So what exactly is a hero? We have a list of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, and after parading each one of those by us, the writer makes this statement. He says in Hebrews 12 verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience 
the race that is set before us. The the heroes who have been brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit, He did that so we might learn of their willingness to serve. Exactly what it was about them that made them heroes and what they love and what they gave up that they loved for that which they loved more. What is a hero? I want us to notice for just a few moments some things about heroes. The first thing we're going to notice, and this is our first point, is a hero is someone who recognizes that they are in the service of God. To recognize means to accept or be aware that something is true or exists. Down through history, the faithful who have recognized that they are in God's service have always relied upon His authority that He has given to us. Noah is described as one having found grace in the eyes of God. Moses recorded this, Genesis 6, 6-8. through 8, He said, And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved him into his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Why out of all of those people who lived at that time, was it that Noah relied upon God and found grace in his eyes? Because he recognized who the one was upon whom he should rely. He gave his dedication, he gave his faithfulness to God. And because he recognized that, it pleased God. And he found grace in his eyes. Solomon spoke these words in the long ago Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. We are to recognize and to rely. Abraham saw God for what He is and was, and he acted appropriately. Notice what he did. While all the other inhabitants of Ur, including his family, were bowing down before graven images, Abraham worshipped the true God of heaven, and when he was commanded to leave Ur, He loaded up everything he possessed, his family, his things, his servants, and he went where God told him to go without even knowing where that would end up. What a hero! He recognized that God was the one upon whom he had to rely. And God provided for him. While tending sheep in the wilderness... Moses saw a bush that burned with fire, but it was not consumed. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame. Exodus 3, 2 through 3. Out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And as he approached that bush, from out of that fire, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Take off your shoes. Calling out His name. And Moses replied, Here am I. Exodus 3 verse 4. He recognized, or when he recognized, that God was speaking to him out of that bush, he showed the proper respect. 
He hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Exodus 3, verse 6. One of the problems today, in, in general in our society, and it has snuck into the church as well, is that the people of the world are not a bit ashamed to look right in the very eyes of God and continue with their sinfulness. Moses understood that he could not look upon God. He hid his face out of respect for Him because he knew that he was not at that time what God needed him to be. But our heroes do not do that, do they? Our heroes do hide their faces from God. They feel that shame. Heroes will not stand in the very face of God and say, I'm going to continue in what I'm doing, whether you like it or not. That's not what a hero does. Must a hero give his life in the service of God to be deemed a hero by God? No, but he must be willing to do that. How many heroes do we have in our nation that have served in the military, who have come close to giving their lives, but have come home after having served faithfully. They are heroes. They didn't give their lives, but they were willing to give their lives, and that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. We have those men and women of that chapter who did not give their lives, but were willing to do that, and lived in a manner that was consistent with that. We have heroes today who, who don't give their lives in their service of God, but they're willing to do that. But they are mistreated in, in many ways. Many people who have dedicated themselves to God have been mistreated by their family members, by friends. They've been ignored. They've been forsaken. Why? Because they are heroes and they want to do what God wants them to do. We read that in Hebrews chapter 11. They're heroes because they listened to the words Jesus spoke and believed them. Notice Matthew 10, beginning with verse 33. Matthew 10, beginning with verse 33. Our Lord said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. He said, Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. See, they have to realize a hero does. He has to realize, or she has to realize that, that we have to rely upon God, not on people. We can't rely on people, can we? Sometimes we can, but we have to rely upon God. Those great, great Hebrews of, uh, or heroes of Hebrews chapter 11, they were heroes because they relied upon God, but they were also heroes because they reached out to other people. That made them a hero, didn't it? Our Lord showed His expectation of us also doing that when He gave the Great Commission of Matthew 28. We have an obligation, don't we? We have an obligation to continue with that ministry. We have an obligation from our Lord to continue with that Great Commission. The Lord made a promise 
in his final words before he ascended back to heaven to the disciples. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now that word world would be better translated age. Talking about the Christian age. But whether it says world or age, it doesn't matter. It indicates the same thing. The Christian age will never end until the world ends. The Lord promised to be with us as we carried out the Great Commission. Let me tell you a little something about our young people. We went to a baseball game last night. We had a little cookout at a park. But prior to going to that baseball game, those young people gathered together around a table and they began to discuss what their real work is. And here's what they determined. Next month, they're going to go door knocking in our area. Why? Because they've been commanded to do it. Is that something that we are comfortable with? One of the young men said, Is everybody comfortable with doing that? I'm so proud of them. And I said, Well, no one is comfortable doing that. We just have to do it. And that's what they've got planned. They're carrying out the Great Commission. The Savior was speaking of this Christian age. He was speaking of the promise that He would be with us as we carried out this Great Commission. But notice how we understand it does apply to us. Prior to that, verse 18, or verse 19, He said, "...teaching them to observe all things..." Whatsoever I've commanded you, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I've told you. And He just told them, go into the world. Teach other people to do that. He said, I'll be with you. I will be with you as you do it. And we'll be successful. What is a hero? A hero is someone who recognizes They're in the service of God. They rely upon God. They reach out to others. Here's our second point though. A hero is someone who is willing, who willingly receives what God is offering. A hero must accept what God has given, right? We don't have to accept it, but a hero must accept it. Webster gives us the definition of accept to mean to take it or to receive it willingly. Notice again some of the faithful of the past that we've talked about here. The writer of Hebrews says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. What did he do? He built an ark. Up to that point in the history of man, it appears as if it had never rained. When we read about the Garden of Eden, a great mist would come up and water the garden. And so you have Noah here being warned, well, we've got a flood coming. It's going to come a bad rain, Noah. Noah had never seen it rain. But by faith, being warned of God, he moved with fear, he accepted what God said, and he built an ark. Do you notice that God did not have to beg and plead to convince Noah to be faithful? Do you notice that? He simply told him what to do and Noah did that. Hebrews 11, verse 7, He simply moved with fear and he built that ark. Without argument, Abraham did exactly 
what God asked him to do. He said, Abraham, I promise to give you your only begotten son, the only one of its kind, the one that you love, your son Isaac. Now offer him in sacrifice to me. Do you notice that God didn't have to go back and forth with Abraham to convince him to do that? Abraham simply, by faith, the writer says, verses 17 through 19 of Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. There are others. There are other people that have done that. In fact, we have a whole chapter in Hebrews 11 about those who accepted what God was giving. And that made them heroes. They're not the only ones though. Let's not forget about all those who have agreed to accept God in our time. We have a building full today. When we accept what God has given to us, sometimes we're going to suffer physically. Now that is not very common in our culture, in our country today. But I just read the other day in Egypt, several of the the Coptic Christians, those who claim Christianity, now they don't follow the teachings of the New Testament, but they claim Christ. They were murdered by radical Islamists. In Syria, they're trying to get rid of anyone who claims Christ. It's happening all over the world. We're fortunate it doesn't happen here yet. But people have agreed to accept what God wants in our lives today. The Lord encouraged those who suffered during the great persecution of the Revelation of the first century. He said, Revelation 2.10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days or a certain period of time. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of righteousness. Be faithful and I will give you a crown of life. Go teach other nations. Fulfill the Great Commission and I will be with you. I'll be there all the way. What greater promise do we need? We don't need a greater promise. People who endure those kinds of things, they do so because they are willing to give up what they love for what they love even more. That's what a hero does. And we have a whole list of them. What is a hero? A hero is someone who recognizes that they are in God's service. Someone who willingly receives what God is giving. And this is our third and last point. A true hero is one who replies to his message. That's what a real hero does. God demands his creation to react to what he has said. He has left us a message and He wants a response. Now we've been given some examples of those reactions. Noah built an ark. Abraham left his homeland with his family not knowing where he was going to go, but he did that. He uprooted himself and he went away. Centuries later, Moses returned to Egypt with nothing but the rod of God in his hand and he delivered Israel out of Egypt. He reacted to what God said. 
On the day of Pentecost, Peter and the other apostles, they stood up in front of that maybe one and a half to two million people, as many as could be gathered around there, and said, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, Acts 2.14. React to what I'm saying. Listen to the word of God and react to it. And what was their reaction to that great sermon on that day? Verse 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were true heroes willing to react, willing to take God's message and change their response. See, that's what we have to do when we reply. You have to react and sometimes, well, every time, if we're not Christians, we have to change our response. We have to respond. We have life, we have time right now, but we're not guaranteed anything beyond the very moment. So we have to respond properly. Notice that just because someone gives an answer does not mean that it is the correct answer. Any of us who have ever taken a test in school can understand and identify that sometimes we respond with the wrong answer. We have to respond properly. God has called each of us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 We don't get a, a still voice in the night. We don't get a burning sensation throughout our bodies for God to call us. He simply has called us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul the Apostle said. The response God wants is this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16.16 16. God wants belief, but He also wants repentance. When we look in Acts 3.19, God expects us to repent and be converted, to change our lives in response to what He has told us. He wants confession unto salvation, Romans 10.10. And finally, He wants us to be buried with Him in baptism, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. For the purpose of having our sins washed away, Acts 22.16, to add us to His body, Acts 2.47, where all spiritual blessings are, Ephesians 1 verse 3. That's what He expects in our response. He wants the listener to do that. And like all those heroes of the past, He wants us to remain faithful until our time on earth is over. And He will give us a crown of life, Matthew 10.22. We have a great list of heroes for us to learn from in the Bible. But they aren't the only heroes. We have a multitude of heroes amongst our own congregation. All that call on the name of the Lord can be a hero in God's sight. But we have to understand what that means. Calling on the name of the Lord doesn't mean just a simple mental assent that we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That means obedience. I call on the name of the Lord through obedient action. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. If you've never called on the name of the Lord through obedient action, if you've never obeyed the gospel, do that today. Through faith and repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living, be a hero for God. If you've done that and you've, you've fallen away, that happens from time to time. God wants you back in His service. He wants you back in fellowship with those of like precious faith. All we have to do is call on the name of the Lord. But what does that mean? That means repentance of sin, confession in whatever way is necessary, whether publicly or privately. 
prayer to ask God to forgive you, and He will. And you're right back in the service of God. You're recognizing. You're responding. You're reacting. You're doing all those things that He wants us to do. If you have need to answer this invitation at this time, do that as we stand and as we sing.